everybody, welcome back to the Phil Craft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Mike G. And today I got a Hey guys, it's me. <laughs> George B. <laughs> G B. I got G B on the on the line. What's up, George? Hey, not much. So you're doing a content now. That's your thing, right? You know, I, I did my first live yesterday and I think it went well. Um I uh, I did the whole like ask me a question just to kind of get the conversation. What, what were the questions asked? Um, one was like, how has your life changed in Fieldcraft? Um, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie is uh, I have a bunch of them. You know, favorite it's, though. My Come favorite on. I can watch over and over again is The Town. It's that bank robbing. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that for some reason. That's a good know. movie. I like Benny, Benny Affleck in it, man. He's yeah, he, he the old the character. old school. Is, yeah. is Wahlberg in that one? Uh, no, it's, um, it's Ben Affleck and then, uh, Jeremy, I like that dude. Piven, or no, Jeremy Reiner or whatever the, one of the, uh, Avengers, the guy with the bow and arrow. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good actor. Yeah, It was good. Oh, so, um, you did a workout thing too. You guys. Yeah. Like, I, I did my wait, first. Wait, wait, wait. Are you back into working out now? I, today was my first time. How'd it feel? It felt good. I don't know why I don't like, I, I just don't know what happens to me. Like sometimes I'll just fall off Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'll just. I'll get back into it, and then finally, like a month later, I'm, I'm back into it. Yeah, so. but is that is that maybe just a cycle of life? I think so. It's like you get to a point. I'm I don't know. I think I'm just I get lazy. I don't want to say I'm lazy because I do work, but sometimes I'm just not feeling it. You know, it's yeah. like my body just like, nah, you're good. I'm the same way, man. We've been. I mean, if you spent, we spend 20 years of our life working out every yeah, day, like, and I'm and then they made it not fun. It, it did. You know, it made exercise like, a chore. Yeah. Um, and it was all mission purposeful, but I like working out now via life. Yeah. Like if I go outside and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to cut down this tree and I'm going to start working, you know, I'm going to do some logging yeah. for my, for my uh, fireplace. I'm splitting wood and I'm, yep. and I'm getting a workout out of it. That's the kind of things that I enjoy. Yeah. It's like real, like using your body, like in real functional like, tasks, like real life. Yeah. I don't exercise. I just no, live. I just, yeah. Yeah. I'm getting fit. Just living. Yeah. Um, COVID-19, huh? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, what what else can you do right now? I mean, it's... It really fucked up a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, it shut down everything, it seemed like. It's so weird that China... Everybody was like, God, China's out of control. Look at that place. And now we're way ahead of oh, China. Oh, yeah. Because we don't... Li- no one... Because we don't listen. We don't pay attention. Everyone is selfless. Or, I'm sorry, self... self selfish. Selfish. And... We're in this social media lifestyle where everyone has to be on. Everyone has to look at me. Look what I'm doing, and just people are just ignorant. I just think it's so funny. How ironic is oh, it yeah. that that loser? <laughs> I know. I won't it, mention his name. It's like he got. He doesn't even deserve for me to mention his name. No. Um, but he came out of the woodwork, and it's like, wow. How does it feel right now for that dude? Right. Like just to be a naysayer and mm-hmm. talking shit. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the reality of like what's happening. I, I bet you he's still in a fake reality. It has to be. He it, he just, he doesn't believe it. No. Because it's a conspiracy. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, and uh, the people with their gloves on out in public, they touch the cart, yeah. touch something, touch their phone. It's, what's the point of wearing touch, gloves? What's the point of wearing a glove? Yeah. Dumb. I saw... Um, uh, when I went to Sprouts the other day, it was everybody was. You have the variation of people yeah. who were super masked up, almost like they had head head. You know, they might as well be in hazmat mop level four, versus people who just didn't give a shit. And like I was there yesterday, I pick up some groceries, and like it's kind of like a dude caught the corner of my out of the corner of my eye. Like I saw someone, I look up, and I'm like, this dude's wearing a like 
like one of those like bandito bandanas. I'm like, come okay, on, again. Man. Like, just don't wear a mask. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Move it, moving on. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of things going on, man. I'm about to leave out soon. By the time you listen to this podcast, I'm probably already gone. I'm on the way to do Andy Stump's podcast, the Clear, Clear It Hot podcast. That's going to be exciting. Dude, I'm so excited for it because, you know, Andy's a good dude, great podcast, great form, and very interested in talking about whatever he wants to talk mm-hmm. about. But I'm assuming it's going to deal with preparedness and everything else. Just give me a shout out when you're there. You know what I mean? I will. If you remember. I, I will, man. I always <laughs> remember what, to bring the team on board. Um, this is a sponsor podcast and, and the bottom line, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to uberly focus on this, but we're sponsored because we, we strategically partner with the right people. Mm -hmm. All the companies that we work with are doing great things for the community, um, or strategically aligned with our values and they're in our genre. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be offering you a coupon code if I didn't think it would benefit you. Um, I've actually, it's weird because I listen to Rogan and I used to fast forward all his, um, his stuff, but now I actually started listening to it because I'm like, man, well, he's got similar things that I mm-hmm. like, so maybe I can get uh, a, a discount on something. And that's what we want to provide for you guys. Our first sponsor is killcliff.com. Killcliff. I mean, man, I got a fridge full of Killcliff behind me. It's hard to stay away from Killcliff. Yeah. Especially that CBD. Especially that Killcliff challenge. You know what I mean? I don't think oh no one's taking God. it serious. Everybody's sleeping on your challenge, man. <laughs> you should hit them up. Be like, hey, I want to start this new Killcliff yeah. challenge. Oh, my gosh. I'll be drinking three Killcliffs a day, seven <sighs> days a week. Come oh, on, it's man. so easy to drink. Like I could drink probably like a six-pack a day. Do the CBD ones. Are my I favorite. Crush those. Are we getting more of those? Yeah, we're getting more. You promise? Yeah, they're coming. They're coming. When you get those, let me know. I will. I'm going to bring them straight here. I'm going to hide them. I, well, number one, Austin's fat ass doesn't need to be eat, <laughs> drinking CBD <laughs> kill clothes. No offense. Um, he doesn't need to be drinking them. Raul could have a couple, but yeah. I got to. Come on, man. I got to have, have some benefits man. for this company. Yeah. Uh, killcliff.com. You guys could use Survival10 to save 10% on any purchase. And I do recommend the CBD, man. The 25 milligrams of CBD, it's super beneficial. Um, it's helped me a lot. All the guys here at Philcraft who have tons of injuries, um, we're big fans of CBD, but uh, real, really big fans of killcliff.com. Uh, also, our podcast is sponsored by KC Highlights. Oh, yeah. Ironically enough, this is a KC Highlights podcast. Um, we, we podcasted Alan Wang, the CEO of uh, KC. Great guy. And great guy. Great company, man. Yeah. Great values, great philosophies. He's a great like family man. He's like about his family yes. and stuff. I love that. I love know? it too, man. I, I look forward this year to getting to know him a lot better mm-hmm. and uh, getting tied in with KC if this fucking COVID would go away. I know. It's ruining everything. Oh, gosh. You guys can go to Fieldcraft. Uh, Fieldcraft, one word to save 10%. In this podcast, I said survival one zero. Please forgive me. Yeah, it's Please, just a mistake. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do that thing where it's like, "Hey guys, you guys can use the coupon Fieldcraft." At, um, <laughs> I want to embed it into there and make it sound all awkward for you guys. But Fieldcraft, Fieldcraft saves ten percent at KC Highlights H I L I T E S dot com. Also, we're sponsored by Bravo Company Manufacturing BCM. Look, strategic partner. I'm a BCM gunfighter. Bravo Company Manufacturing is one of the best AR-15 companies mm-hmm. in the world. They give back. They do a lot of things for veterans. I love uh, BCM. Big shout out to John Chang, Black Powder, Red Earth. Paul Buffoni. Uh, Paul, Paul Buffoni. Um, all the guys, the gunfighters at, at uh, BCM, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. 
If you're interested in graphic novels, make sure you check out uh, Black Powder Red Earth. Yeah, big fan of them. Also, for the uh, uppers that we're ordering, they're still getting built and all that stuff. So please be patient with us. Once Do you we have get a list, them, have people been at hitting you up? I have um I have the uh, emails for people who just have uh, hit me up. So well, I just, if we sell them out, order more. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm okay. gonna order more. We have ten uppers coming. They're getting built. I have not. A, I don't have a timeline right now. I'm gonna reach out probably tomorrow. Are those Black Powder Red Earth? Those are the ones. The ones that you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Those are the ones. So the ones here. Here's, here's what we do because we're not look we're not we're not selling guns yet that's not what we what we do but uh what we're doing is we're we're selling uppers but we are selling the bpre the black powder red earth versions which have a couple of unique features and that's the same gun that you'll see us running at carbine or dmr courses designated marksmanship courses um we, in fact me and Kevin will be in South Carolina at Sawmill, mm-hmm. and we'll be we'll be using those guns. So I'm super excited. If you're interested, info at philcraftsurvival.com. Also, this podcast is sponsored by TriarchSystems.com. Triarch Systems, I have nothing bad to say mm-hmm. about Triarch Systems. And eat every single – oh, it reminds me. Gina's gun's ready to try 11. Remind, oh, okay. Remind me after this. Remind me after this to pick that, uh, oh, okay. pick that up. Um, but um, – Look, I have their Tri-11. I have their the commander version of it, which is the short-barreled Tri-11, mm-hmm. a double-stacked 9 mil, one of the best guns that I've ever owned. Some some guy asked me, he goes, hey, man, I, I got the option between a SIG and that. Why would I pay that extra money for that that expensive of a gun? And here's my, here's my answer. If you invest in what you use to protect your life, then there is no price point that you could put on that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to buy a gun, buy the right gun, that serves the right application that you never have to buy again, mm-hmm. right? I have single action Glocks. I shoot Glocks. I have a Triarch Glock. Um, that gun will never fail. I put thousands of rounds to it. It's it's never malfunctioned once. Um, and that's the same way I feel about any gun that I purchase. So I, I, I invest in firearms because they are the thing that is going to save your life. Mm-hmm. And you want the most dependable, reliable, and really the most aesthetically pleasing. That's, yeah. I mean, it's like if you bought a woman, you know, you just want yeah, the, I don't want to know. Uh, yeah, if you, why are you going to go s- slim pickings on... Not going down to Fort Bragg Boulevard or something, yeah, you know what I mean? Bra- no, ch- no offense to the <laughs> Vietnam uh, chicks, but I'm, I'm trying to go to Raleigh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Go to Cary. <laughs> That's where I found my woman. Uh, is it? Yeah, up in oh, Raleigh. Look at that, man. Look at that. Uh, so you guys could use Philcraft, one word, to save 5% on any build at triarchsystems.com, and that's T-R- I-A-R-C. Also want to give a sh- big shout out to Dometic. Look, we're working in overlanding. Uh, we, we sold out our overland training course that's coming coming up. Once some stuff dies down, we're about to fill all the calendar space on mm-hmm. the, in the open, and that will include more of those courses. I'm also driving my truck, which is the Go Rig Challenge truck, to Montana, and I'm going to be sharing a lot of content over the le- next couple of days. But one of the things I'm adding to my setup is a Dometic fridge. You guys could go to shop.dometic.com. Don't go to www.shop.dometic.com. Go to shop.dometic.com and use Fieldcraft, one word, and get free shipping. They also have, they're clearing out their inventory. They have 25% to 50% off all their stuff. Make sure you check them out, dometic.com. I'm sorry, shop.dometic.com. Use shop.dometic.com. Also, this podcast is sponsored by Tier Tactical. Tier Tactical. Look, man, great guys. If you didn't hear yeah. the podcast with Chris Van Zandt, I'm going to have um, Lee Bugsby yeah, I can't on wait. my personal. I'm stealing him, man. That's fine. This is going to be Mike Force podcast time. Um, yeah. if, if you guys haven't uh, heard the news, 
I did start my own podcast called Mike Force Podcast. It's not launched yet. We're doing some episodes to, to launch that. But uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. And Lee is going to be on there. But Chris Van Zandt, I podcasted him. They have a bunch of great guys. I podcasted Jason Beck from mm-hmm. the CEO of uh, of uh, Tier Tactical. And they've been gracious enough to give us a coupon code, Philcraft, to save 10%. If you see the bug out stuff that I'm doing, I'm always using the Tier Tactical bug out jungle ruck because that ruck's one of the best rucks in the market. I use it for hunting, outdoor, camping, whatever. It's real good. What are, what are other sponsors? Uh, we have Uncana. Uncana is a, a CBD company. They're all natural, uh, great guys, veteran-owned, uh, and they have a coupon code for us, Fieldcraft20, to save 20% on, on, your, on your entire order. Whoa, so, that's yeah. a big one. Uncana coming on the woodwork, man. Oh, Rangers yeah. lead the way. Thank oh, you yeah. for that. And uh, the last one? Uh, we got AT Overland. They're a local company here in Prescott. They uh, do a variety of things for your rigs. They make, um, I guess, camper shells, or would you say? Yeah, it's would the you? camper shells. They yeah. do. Uh, I have the AT Summit, yeah. which is the uh, flip-up version, but it goes in the back of the camper, and then it flips up. But if you've ever ran a rooftop tent, they're pains in the ass. Yes, they are. And it, it's almost impossible for one person to manage it. Mm-hmm. And when I even when I had... I mean, I'm a big dude, and I can get up there and flop that thing over, but it's difficult. It's mm-hmm. not easy. And so I went the Summit Camp route uh, or camper route. Um, I, I have that on my truck. I'll be highlighting that. But Adventure Trailers Overland, AT Overland, you guys can check them out. And if you do hit them up, make sure you mention Phil Craft and let them know that we sent you their way. They might give yeah. you a little discount. I've been, uh, every time I go to, on the, into work, I drive past uh, Summit Off-Road. Yeah. And I see your truck out there, man. It's looking, looking good. good, man. Like they the hit light me up bar today. And Is it on there? Yeah. The one on the windshield? Yeah, the big one. The KC It lights? looks so cool. Does it look good? Yeah. I didn't see the back, though. Because it was in the in the garage. Yeah. But it looks, you know, I got airbags on it. It looks now. tough, man. Like I have airbags that are automated from the inside. So you go, oh, like hydraulics. Yeah. It's 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 good looking good. It looks it looks tough. Like it's ready to hit the road. I went, It is going to hit the road. Yeah. When we go to Cali, I want to drop the rear end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Play some ice cube, you know? Okay. Um, just kidding. Jason Aldean. Um, so, hey, guys, this podcast, we got to catch up with Alan Wang, from the CEO of... I wish I could have stole this podcast from mine, man. I, you know, uh, Well, this is more of our Philcraft Yeah, podcast. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm going to be stealing some guests. You're going to get some good guests to steal. Uh, I hope so, man. If you're interested in being on the podcast, I use my shameful plug <laughs> on Philcraft Survival, but you guys could hit me up, DM me. I'm interested in podcasting good people that have unique stories. History, automotive... Uh, ge- geology, biology, oh, yeah. the sciences. I'm just a nerd, so I want to do nerd stuff. Let's nerd out together. Um, got the opportunity to catch up with Alan, Alan Wang and a uh, cool story, how he got involved with the business in which he became the CEO. A lot of great information from him on his philosophies, his style of leadership, the challenges he faces as a CEO, and things he's doing through this COVID-19 circumstance. And you get a little insight to Casey Highlights, and I love it, man. It was a great podcast. Nice. Wait, am I supposed to say here we go? Um, yeah. Should I say, you say that. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. <laughs> Alan, thanks for being on the podcast, brother. Thank you so much. Hey man, thanks for inviting us and giving us an opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, you, you got you guys are in uh, you're in California. You're in Los Angeles, right? I am. Yeah, yeah. We're I'm based out of here uh, along with uh, several departments and um, the original uh, Casey operation and to date. 
the uh, most of the assembly and distribution is in uh, Williams, Arizona, um, a small city near the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I love that. It's right in our backyard. I think it's uh, probably an hour and a half from here, um, but beautiful that part of headquarters in um, in Arizona. Out of LA, how are you guys doing with all this COVID nineteen stuff? You know, I was just on the call with my brother this morning, kind of reflecting on the current um, conditions and <clears throat> looking at things that we need to be thinking about. And part of what we talked about was just how grateful we are to uh, have built the business over the past five years. I think it's just our nature uh, to be very uh, early adopters in technology. So, you know, we're doing pretty good. I mean, considering, you know, all the pivoting that we've had to do from an operation standpoint, um, you know, we we uh, we were able to go to a work remotely, a limited work remotely for, I would say, 75% of the staff uh, within a couple days. You know, most of our systems were online, so uh, people could work from home. And then, you know, we just had to implement some processes for people that had to remain within the office for assembly and production or, uh, or uh, shipping. So, um, you know, their safety is still our... Our biggest concern, and as um, agencies release information and, and best practices, we're pivoting and, and uh, trying to adopt those uh, those best practices as best we can. You know, as far as the uh, the business goes, uh, from a sales perspective and demand, you know, we've we've been building demand for a couple of years now, and uh, I think that's paid off. In seems like a lot of people are still. Uh, actively uh, pursuing their hobbies in uh, building their vehicles or, or fixing some of their vehicles. So, so far, you know, we, we haven't been impacted too much, but, you know, I think our goal is to be prepared for the worst and uh, um, take it day by day, you know, and, and you can't think too far into the future. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a real good observation. I've actually noticed that too. I mean, our local off-road shop, Summit Off-Road here in Prescott, uh, my truck's there right now, but there's a whole bunch of people who are getting outdoors. I see more people now out hiking, mountain biking, uh, exploring off-road and UTVs and vehicles. And so, uh, you know, it's an it's an opportunity, I think, for a lot of people to get outdoors using the time they have. And I, I could see how, you know, that ties into vehicles and, and obviously lights with you, with you guys. Um Tell me about tell me about KC Lights and um, what you guys are doing through this whole process. Do you guys are you guys adapting and changing anything about the business right here and right now? And how is that for you in the future? Because it seems uncertain because there's no definitive end to this. So are you guys prepared to flex uh, on the fly to adapt? You have to, um, and I think some businesses are doing it, you know, way better than we are. Uh, you know, I, I read an article about a company who's making kind of pop-up uh, shelters and pop-up tents that <clears throat> um, had to pivot to making kind of medical um, dividers and you know for for hospitals that are setting up mobile stations outside of the hospital. So, you know, I think a lot of people are doing that, and, and we are the same too. You know, I think our focus has always been, uh, funny enough not necessarily lights, but really people, um, bringing people together, uh, really helping people look inside themselves and figuring out, you know, what, what, what are their growth potentials? Right. And I think if you, if you focus on the people and help them really be the people that they can be, um, great things can happen. I mean, I think it's a huge, uh, it's a huge driver of innovation, of creativity when people feel safe, when people feel challenged, 
so I think our our work has always been people. I mean, since early on, uh, the the original founder Pete, um, many stories that are told about Pete nowadays were really centered around people, right? Providing for people, uh, helping people take things to the next level, encouraging people. So you know, our our pivot is is on the uh, surface level. I think you know, looking at getting out getting out there and doing more adventures, which right now isn't necessarily possible with with some of the safety uh, precautions in mind as far as like getting out there in groups. But um, I think like you said, a lot of people are like working on their vehicles and um, you know, this is going to be over at some point, you know, the, the world we know it uh, will, will be changed. It look different, but um, it won't go on forever. And so I think people just continue to work on their vehicles. So for our, our pivot has been really just, about people, right? So for our customers, it's continuing to send out the message that in this time of need, it's like we embrace our people, we help our people internally first, and obviously externally through our customers, vendors, um, you know, ambassadors, industry partners, anything that people need. Like we're we're trying to provide that. We don't have a specific pivot, but most of our product line um, was centered in lighting. Um, some of that lighting is for, you know, seeing with and, and getting out and, and going fast. Some of the lighting is to see with, you know, when you're once you're at camp. And uh, we've 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 launched some new product lines with some roof rack uh, type stuff that's still centered around lighting as as a center point. So we're continuously developing product that still gets people out to venture further. Um, now more than ever, I think some of that also means being prepared and being able to rack and stack things um, while also being able to see around you, right? While Mm -hmm. doing that. So, you know, a lot of the products that we're developing were already for people to get out, um, whether as a group or or singularly, you know, further. Um, So I think it's all about, you know, being prepared and being able to get out further. And so I think we haven't changed that, but it's like we're stepping that up uh, through our marketing, through our product development, um, and just through our core values and sticking close to those. I love that, man. I love that about you guys. I've always... I've always seen you guys as a conduit of bringing people together via a product and using it as an opportunity to build relationships. And I I love that about the summer camp. I love that. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I I just love the way that you guys operate. Um, Let's talk about the beginning, man, because I want people to understand the KC highlight story from the very beginning. I've always known you guys in... You know, the first time I, I fantasized about getting an off-road vehicle was Back to the Future in the the early 1980s with uh, that Toyota uh, Hilux, that that version of that Toyota that had KC lights on it. And I I always have seen you guys in these iconic positions, and it's like it's synonymous with off-road doom buggies, trucks, and everything else. How did that story start from the very origins before you got involved? Yeah, I mean the 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 early origin is uh, Pete Brown. Uh, Pete Brown was the original creator, founder, entrepreneur who started KC uh, out of Saugus, California, in his garage. Um, there's a couple of YouTube videos that we've launched telling some of that story uh, in the late '60s, um, nearing 1970, where he just needed to see at night, you know. Um, I think some of that, you know, we're we're in close contact with Pete still, but the the, the stories that have circulated are around, you know, it was for safety. Uh, some of the stories are he 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 really was always going camping and and needed to see more. And so, really, what he did was he he looked for solutions and he took things that were off the shelf to some degree 
and put together a solution to a problem, which was he couldn't see at night. He couldn't see far enough. Uh, and it was a safety concern. Um, it was a performance concern in, in terms of him getting out, right? So that's the start of KC. And a lot of people also ask what KC stands for. And uh, Pete, Pete Brown, his middle name was Kim, right? So it was uh, Peter Kim Brown. And his wife at the time was Carol Brown. So he took his middle name, Kim, and combined it with his wife, wife's name, Carol. And that's where KC came from as far as the acronyms. Uh, but that, that was the start of KC. In 1970, you know, Pete started that in, in his garage, uh, taking aviation off the shelf seal beam bulbs, halogen bulbs. And he took those and he put them into a bucket. And, and the bucket, he designed a shock mount um, a neck area that, that really helped stabilize uh, the bucket and the light uh, for off-road purposes. And the solution he brought to the table was being able to see at night, see far, um, safely, right? And something, the, the, the product that, that would last too through, through a lot of like grueling terrain and, and so on and so forth. So... That's that's really the beginning, and it started with the daylighter. That was that was the product, um, and I think through a lot of his creative uh, marketing uh, intuition, he he wanted to create personality. He wanted people to to make it their own, the products their own, and so the smiley face cover was born um, as part of that creative process and, and ingenuity. Yeah, that's so iconic, man. That that smiley face. I actually have, and I'm I'm waiting for the. It might be the the Porsche Rally project that I'm doing, but I have some of the old versions of that. I, I showed to uh, one of your marketing guys. He's like, "Oh, that's an old version," and I'm I'm excited to put those on the Porsche because of how iconic those are. And you know, you guys evolved through um, halogen to LEDs, and a whole bunch of things happened in. in I guess the modern era of off-roading and lighting. Um, what what were some of the pinnacle points along this evolution, and and take us up to the point in which you became involved with the company? Yeah, you know, like from from Pete starting the business and having you know decades of success uh, through uh, just having a great product, solving a simple solution that not only he needed but his friends and beyond friends, a whole market that needed it. Uh, his his stepson uh, Michael Dehas uh, had worked for Pete for her, for a number of years. Um, you know, Michael started in in the warehouse and in shipping and worked in marketing and then into sales. So, uh, you know, for Pete, I think it was the daylighter were, were some was was a, was obviously the the milestone that started it all. Um, and then there were evolutions from halogen to HID um, that 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 the uh, that the company um, you know eventually adopted and pioneered quite a bit of like lighting and lighting products with HID. So that was another milestone, uh, I think, of Pete and Michael. Uh, so it went from halogen to HID. Uh, HID provided quite a bit more light, uh, more efficient, uh, sometimes at a little bit lower price, um, depending on the wattage. But um, yeah, HID was another milestone for the business. And when Michael bought the business uh, in uh, the early 2000s from Pete, uh, Michael continued that tradition of unique aesthetic design, coupled with like practical solutions that that you know a, a market needed to see with, right? So different different sizes of lights, different shapes, different applications, uh, mounting solutions. So um, you know through those those years from the daylighter and HID type applications, Michael evolved that to the slim light, right, and the Apollo Pro, which are you know like different size round lights in halogen and HID. So um, a lot of those things continued uh, KC's success, you know, from 
from the from the late ninety uh, from, from the late like nineteen eighties all the way through early two thousand. Um, and actually, I, I like to talk about like you know sometimes milestones aren't good, right? Sometimes milestones are just a challenge in reality. And I think one of those milestones that really helped us look in the mirror was when LED um, you know became popular, and we were really kind of behind uh, strategically behind, you know, getting on that, getting on that train. Um, so I think that was, that was a, a huge setback for us. Not a lot of people know that we were actually on that train, um, early on, but failed at it, um, from a number of aspects of mechanical design and ceiling. You know, it was very early on LEDs were barely on the market, you know, they were still very expensive. Um, and you know, people were still perfecting their craft, um, so we we took that stab probably in 2005, uh, where we actually developed one of the first uh, LED light bars, but could not fix all the issues. Um, you know, I think the output was great, but the there were some mechanical issues with sealing that we couldn't uh, ultimately get over. So we we ended up discontinuing that and had a gap for quite some time. So that's actually an interesting milestone that I think uh, we don't like to share, but it's it is a reality and. Part of embracing the future is embracing the past and um, learning from those mistakes and making them better. So, um, so when did um, when did you get on board and, and what was your background prior to becoming uh, the position that you're in now? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I've so this is my seventeenth year um, in the automotive aftermarket space. Uh, so my my dad started and his brother started. Uh, in the automotive space, I would say about 45 years ago. Mm. Um, their, their main business uh, 45 years ago was helping both OEMs, which are you know, large, large conglomerate um, automotive manufacturers, as well as, as, well as aftermarket manufacturers, um, design, source, procure, and um, also all the way through logistics and supply chain management, uh, help them manage those products um, end-to-end. So, you know, my dad was focused mainly on aftermarket automotive. So our family business, um, which we consider sort of the umbrella company, uh, has been helping uh, American aftermarket brands design and procure product for, for quite some time. So I came to work for my dad in 2004 um, under our family business's Alliance Global where we did that for a number of muscle car companies, aftermarket performance companies from suspension to um, safety products. And Casey was one of our customers. So from 2004 is actually this, the, the same year that uh, Michael had purchased Casey from his, his dad. Michael and I collaborated uh, together quite um, intimately across uh, the, the sort of product development you know, side of things just because that's what we did as a vendor. Um, so from 2004 to 2014 for about 10 years, I really was more of the product development and product manager alongside Michael, who was the CEO of KC. Mm -hmm. So, you know, me along with Bobby, who's our director of product development now, you know, we went to the races, we went to Parker 425s, we went to the Baja 1000s. We, we really embraced the culture, which was very foreign to us at that time. You know, I mean, although we worked on a very diverse sets of product lines for various um, aftermarket customers, uh, being at the Baja 1000 and races was, I mean, just a completely different, uh, intense culture, right? 
Um, but it was really the only way to understand what we what we needed to do as far as what types of products we needed to design and what what aesthetics, mechanical needs, you know, performance features um, truly were necessary. So that was very very cool and very interesting. So Bobby and I really did that for about ten years from '04 to '14, and you know, with our failure of getting into the light bar market um, successfully, um, you know, KC we saw like as far as um, that kind of milestone not being met. I mean, we had a, a, a share of responsibility, right, um, as a vendor to KC um, in failing to do that. And so, when KC kind of reached a, a point where some of that really affected um, their overall growth and sales, you know, there was an opportunity for us to step in and take a little bit more ownership of that. Casey's, Casey's destiny, right? So in 2014, we started discussing with Michael and um, bought in as a minority partner. And then in 2015, we purchased the, the, the majority share. And since then, we've been uh, doing the best we can to uphold the core values of our past while forging the future, right? With, um, with the tools that we have um, now and, and the new mindsets that we have um, to, to, do, to do this brand justice. That's really awesome. So it's it's almost like a shift into the I don't I wouldn't say modern era, but you guys are prepared to progress and evolve. And what I, what I always find interesting about uh, you know understanding kind of the aftermarket automotive world because of our relationship with Philcraft Mobility and our mobility training and stuff is that a lot of companies, for example, go after big names like the BJ Baldwin's and the you know off road racers, and I I think that's that's cool. But you guys, I've noticed in marketing, focus on, you know, everyday adventurists, everyday overlanders, everyday, like real people who are doing it for real in real time. And you have a, a whole bunch of significant influencers that you bring together during the summer camp stuff. And what, what's the strategy there for as far as the way that it's related to business? Because I know, I know you talked about people is that the way that you guys are progressing and moving ahead? I, you know, I guess so. I mean, you know, I think it just comes back to like, what do we believe, right? And uh, I believe that the quality of all the relationships that we have, whether if it's the, the, that quality of relationship I have with my wife or my kids or, um, you know, our employees or our, you know, partners, our ambassadors, our vendors, I mean, if there's no quality of relationship, there's not going to be quality of results, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for for me, it's based off of three three important factors to drive that quality of relationship. It's trust, uh, respect, and communication. Um, you know, when we think about some of the friends that are, are closest to us who, you know, can tell us the truth and yet we don't get pissed, I mean, there's a reason, you know, and some of those reasons are related to how much trust and respect there is with them. And because of that, there's, there's, there's an ability to communicate, right? And so I think it comes back down to us really putting, putting forward and the, in, in our, in our um, sort of perspective of like what is most important is people and those relationships. If you have great relationships, you're going to have great results. Why? Because sometimes we make excuses for you know people who, who we have great relationships with, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that drives, I think, you know, understanding, right? An ability for two people to understand each other, truly understand, not just listening to speak, but like actually understanding. 
which to some degree forces you to be empathetic with someone else's viewpoint or belief, right? Or truth. Um, and that paves a way, I think, to vulnerability, which allows us to be vulnerable, which, which ultimately means that we, we can both speak truthfully to each other, but in a kind, respectful way, and actually agree on something. And that agreement on whatever it is could be something that was not possible before because that trust, you know, respect and communication just wasn't there, right? So the results are, are, are squarely, um, uh, a huge part of, of the results are, are squarely put on how, what, what those quality of relationships, what, what, how much quality you have, right, in those relationships. So I think for us, like, you know, to, to, to answer your question, coming back to, you know, ambassadors, vendors, customers, I mean, our philosophy applies in all aspects. You know, some of our best um, customers and partnerships with customers like Full Parts, I mean, during our hardest times, you know, and missed milestones, you know, we, we didn't passively aggressive, you know, <laughs> approach them and say, hey, X, Y, and Z. No, it was like, hey, this is really what we're feeling. This is what, what's, what's happening. We understand what you guys need to do, but like, this is what's going on with us. Like, tell us about you guys, you know, and working through those issues and building that trust, respect, and communication in order to get the results that we want. And, you know, I think when we do that across some of our customers or vendors or even ambassadors, we attract people that are similar, who are willing to have dialogue and conversation, who are willing to be empathetic and truly understand uh, and want results, right? And so I think the attraction of the types of people is centered around that. It's centered around that pure uh, want and desire to do good things and build people up and not tear them down, be truthful, right? And um, compassionate, but still fair. So... I think those are the people that we attract. Whether whether or not we 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 can um, turn it into something that you know, if 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 the goal is monetization or if the goal is more awareness, I mean, I don't know that we really put that at the forefront of our 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 purpose. Um, I think we're an underdog, and so we've always tried to value other underdogs. And you know, people are people. You know, no matter what kind of status they have, it's like everyone has a story. Everyone has a belief, you know, and so everyone's the same at the end of the day, right? Like, um, in terms of what we seek and what we want and what we need out of, out of our lives. So when you strip all that away, right, um, the surface level stuff, you're left with just humans. So, um, I think we just tracked good humans. <laughs> yeah. I think that's absolutely spot on. I think the, you know, it's one of the deliberate tactics that we use in a purpose driven business where we don't, think about the bottom line as one of the priorities because if we just do our job and we're true to you know our visions and the purpose in which we want to fulfill which happens to be giving back which happens to be education uh, which happens to be providing value the monetization is going to come but i see so many businesses fail and and not putting people first and putting you know the bottom line or monetary gain and profits as number one and, and I don't think that's how you do a business, especially, especially a business that affects so many people in so many ways. And I, I just think you guys, you know, kudos to you guys. I think you're so good at um, uh, delivering that message and being true to that message and then bringing people together uh, and being positive about it. There's so many, you know, especially in every industry, there's this cutthroat mentality of trying to get ahead by any means necessary and this isn't combat. This isn't war. This this doesn't have to be like that. And I'm glad you guys are taking the high road on that. Um, 
let's talk about some of the technical things that you guys have planned for the future with uh, your lighting systems. Um, I've, I, I just introduced, for example, an LED light handheld version to my everyday carry bag, which is a, a handheld light that you guys sell at a really good price. I'm su- actually really surprised by that price. Um, but you guys do different things that some people who are listening to this podcast might not be aware of. Can you cover some of the, the lighting systems and some of the te- uh, technological advances or progress- progression in those, those per- particular products? Yeah, and I, I think I'll answer a question I didn't answer fully before was my background. Um, you know, my background, I went to film school and dropped out. I was there, uh, I was in film school for, for about two years. I've always been seeking create creative means, you know, and creative ways to like tell my story or tell a story or be recognized, right? That comes from the insecurity I have had, I think, over the past, you know, 40 years of my life. Like, we all have experiences that shape who we are and how we think and how we feel and the beliefs, right? That that both limit us and propel us. So, you know, for me, I started in film, always creative, uh, both aesthetically, story, you know, that type of stuff. Um, and, you know, my dad and my parents were always supportive. I mean, I think something I realized uh, in listening to uh, the lady who's the CEO of Spanx, um, they make like women's sort of uh, uh, leggings, like they were one of the first, was that I realized in, in, in listening to one of her um, videos was that she was saying how why she's not afraid to fail. And she was, she was referencing that growing up, you know, her, her dad was always telling her that it, 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 all that mattered was that you tried hard, right? So the outcome mattered less, but if you knew in your heart that you gave it your 100% and you never gave up on that, like that was enough. Well, when, when, when she said that, I realized that that's actually how my parents were, you know? I mean, yeah, there were lectures and they were nagging and stuff, but ultimately they never made me feel that it wasn't enough. If anything, they did the opposite, which led to a lot of, I think, bad behavioral <laughs> like things that, you know, not enough discipline or, or, or whatnot. But the reality was, um, you know, I, I, I developed certain insecurities. Um, you know, I went into certain industries thinking that that would be fulfilling for me. And, you know, I also grew up around computers. So um, computers have been a, a huge part of my life, like even, you know, in the early uh, 90s or whatnot or, or late 80s. So... I, I, I went from film school to really uh, focus on um, networking uh, data center, which is like kind of, you know, Google's where all the servers are. Like I worked a lot in like networking, fiber optics, um, data center with a lot of like enterprise switching and, um, and servers and stuff. And so that was my career for a long time um, and evolved from there where just working on the computers and systems was was great. It was like almost like adrenaline rush a lot of times because there was always a lot of emergencies. Um, but I found that I was also able to communicate at, at a decent um, level and 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 be able to help people understand technology. So my career kind of pivoted from just technology to people and technology, right? Um, so I spent a number of years with startups and um, enterprise companies and in, in doing a lot of technology and people helping them understand or building systems. So technology has always been a huge part of my life. And in, you know, in the early 2000s, as we all know today, the cloud is this kind of ambiguous term that you just know it's stored somewhere and you can get it anywhere, right? And so we've really adapted a lot of that into our lighting 
um, philosophy, both aesthetic design and um, functional design. Uh, and thankfully, Bobby Liang on our team, um, you know, he comes from an automotive background, mainly in import cars. So, um, you know, I think he came from Blitz USA, which, uh, you know, just manufactured and designed a lot of like um, Japanese import car aftermarket parts. And so his design edge and, and my kind of desire to take concepts like the cloud, which is, you know, nowadays, if everything's stored somewhere, your, your computer is really a dumb terminal, right? I mean, the operating system, the software and the hardware are kind of like separated. So if one goes down, you're not caught off guard. You can replace the hardware, you're back up and running, the software comes back onto it. So I think modularity, flexibility, and those two things combined, allowing the customer to customize, personalize, and make an investment versus buying a one-off light and having nothing else except a light that doesn't do anything more in the future was something we've tried very, very hard to do in some of our flagship products. Um, some of the Gravity Pro 6 stuff that we do with interlocking rings that allow lights to link together for the purpose of you know, widening the width for different car applications and allowing you to like, move it from a, a Ford Raptor uh, to a Jeep or depending on how many, you know, how many lights it needs going wide, swapping out beam patterns um, to like, our Flex Series LEDs who you know, was, was designed to not only change color bezel rings but also link together. Like, these are all concepts taken from sort of the tech background that I've had that really you know, inspired me to see how far can we go, right, in this industry. And so Bobby and I, although I didn't come from automotive originally, Bobby was in automotive. And so you have two people who are very out of the industry of aftermarket to some degree coming in and trying to disrupt both aesthetically and functionally, right? What a, 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 a typical engineer would look at something that we're designing and saying, what are you guys doing? Like, this doesn't even make sense that you could do this and you shouldn't do it, right? So I think a lot of our our, our aesthetic and mechanical um uh, designs and stuff was was came from tech, and uh, Bobby has put a, 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 an awesome spin on um, and all on all that, and bringing that to reality. Uh, and then you know we've we've really stuck to our guns as far as like uh, you know halogen, as you know, is a bulb, right? It emits light, and uh, a lot of that light is reflected back into a reflector. Well, we took a lot of that, and uh, that's part of our gravity LED series, where we really utilize light going back into a big reflector to our advantage. You know, it gives us a, a, an increased capacity and ability to um, shape the light, send the light where we want it to go, send more light to one direction versus another. So in street legal applications or like off-road applications where we need an extra ordinary, ordinary amount of light going somewhere, it gives us a, a, a ton of real estate on the reflector to point uh, it, it a certain uh, direction or go further. So... You know, that's kind of like, in general, what really inspires us um, to do things differently. Uh, again, both aesthetically, mechanically, and conceptually with uh, a lot of the technology. I love that, man. It's super innovative. And I, I love the the uh, the idea, the integration of technology. I always think that's the the home run is this, this not just having dumb lights, but this integration is super important. Why? Why is it? I, I get this impression, and this is perception based, that you guys are the light system for Overland. You know, for the Overlanding community. Is there? I mean, is that has that been a strategy from the get go? To, I mean, every Overlanding, uh, I would say, influencer or uh, ambassador is is typically running your lights, and you guys have done a great job at at bringing that community together. Um, and, and there's a lot of focus on that where other light companies have focused on racing applications or, 
you know, Baja desert applications, uh, the overlanding community, which is one of those, the, the largest emerging markets, um, all I see is KC. Is, is that something that was deliberate early on or is that just something that happened organically? You know, I think it's uh, both. So, you know, my brother who heads marketing um, had uh, a vision for identifying sort of this, uh, not niche, but like just this, this, this genre, right, of overlanding, which, you know, to some people is just vehicular camping. To others, it means something very different. Um, like I've spoken to you before, you know, in the military, you know, overlanding is like a way of like completing missions and a necessity, right? So we, like, I think he had identified that, hey, this is a market um, of people that, you know, exist. And, you know, we really should look into the, these, these types of people because they're actually not that far from who we are. We love to be outdoors. We love to challenge ourselves and get out. We like to be prepared, you know, and we're geek. We're kind of geeky too, right? To some degree, right? I mean, there's a, a, a huge mis- mix of just normal people who just love being outdoors and exploring. So, you know, I think he, one pillar is like he, he identified that pretty early on um, after we had, um, you know, bought the business that that's one segment that he really, he was really interested in. Uh, and we were lucky to partner with a number of um, friends really and ambassadors uh, like Trail Recon, um, who has an awesome YouTube channel um, that really helps people understand, you know, what, what that means and um, what, what, what products that he uses and, and why. So, you know, I think it's part design and part organic. Um, I think going back to what we talked about as far as like, like the people we attract and why, you know, it's, it's just, uh, like we're, we're all the same. I mean, normal people, humans, good people. Um, and, and some of it was just by design and targeting that, Hey, there's a market here that of people that are like us. So it's like, we really need to reach out to these people and make sure that we're, we're connecting with them and, uh, and, uh, and, and to some degree marketing to them. Very awesome. Very cool. Um, you have this summer camp, um, it's a summer camp thing. It's a, it's a program that you guys have where you bring people together. You, you do a whole bunch of cross training, which is really cool. Last year, my guys participated in it and we, we got to teach um, first aid and uh, treating trauma, a little bit of recovery. Um, what, what's the concept or what was the idea for, for doing this summer camp? And can you tell people about that? Because uh, I think it's super interesting because I've never seen it done by a company before. Yeah, I think it's more of a get-together test bed for us. Um, and so, you know, the the early origins of it, I know uh, Ali uh, Sedegat on our team now, uh, Director of Marketing, uh, had an early vision for it. And, and in, it was inspired to, you know, really think about a, a summer camp concept where we brought people together um, for a number of reasons, right? A number of purposes. Um I was I was always like thinking about something like that. I mean, I think you know, I living in Los Angeles, we, I went to Coachella. Um, I haven't been to Burning Man, but a lot of my friends have. I mean, there's a lot of festivals that bring people together. Some based around music, you know. Some others like TED Talk or TED, um, and um, the one in Austin uh, escapes my my mind right now. But um, there are a number of festivals that bring people together for different reasons, right? And really, summer camp was something that internally uh, and with our um, you know, ambassadors and even customers, we could come together and just spend time together outdoors. Um, and part of that time that we spend, you know, we, you know, Ollie had envisioned that we would provide training seminars and education pieces and really not to push anyone's product, but just share information, right? And um, give knowledge and information to people who, who were just interested. And maybe some of it was just they were not 
like prepared to ask for the help or the knowledge or didn't know where to get it. Right. Um, but to bring people together, um, you know, for myself specifically, I, I, I want to see summer camp evolve where it is, it's a family thing where, you know, people look forward to it every year, you know, growing up, I did, you know, YMCA summer camp. I mean, so much of that, uh, those memories are a little bit of anxiety. I think going to summer camp, like not knowing, you know, who you're going to see or, or, or what groups can accept you or whatever it is. Right. For, for others, the, 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 the anxiety was, well, like how cool am I going to be and whatever. So I think summer camp combines, like the insecurities of the past uh, with um, what we really want out of life now and in the future. And it, it, it creates, we want, we wanted to create these memories, right? These memories that like we've even had in the past um, when, when, when going to a summer camp where there's excitement, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's clicks, there's all these things. But, you know, when you leave summer camp, um, you have very fond memories because when you struggle together and you confront those insecurities and those fears or, or what you don't know, like you grow the most. And some of those connections and bonds, whether if it's with information or the people you're with is, is very powerful. So I think summer camp to us is something that we want to see grow into a generational, um, event that fathers, uh, mothers, daughters, sons, all can share together where they set aside time once a year. They come out and they, they're able to do outdoors activities, like learn about things. We've thrown on the idea about having guest speakers, uh, mindset, you know, people who are talking about how to really break through some of the, some of the limitations of like where you want to go and what you want to do and how to do that. Um, looking at meditation, looking at things that really help the self be the best that it can be. So, you know, from outdoor stuff to uh, field craft survival training courses, you know, it could be um, like using the tunic. And I mean, there's so many things we can do to educate, right? And get people excited about um, these these ways to learn about what you can, what you can really do, right? And, and be active in that. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of like positive... Um, benefits we can bring to the self, to the family, and like to the community. So I think summer camp for us is, is something we want to continue to grow. You know, we started pretty small and invited just some close, uh, closer friends and some customers just because, I mean, it's our first time really hosting or organizing an event, um, even of that scale of, let's say, like 60 people. Um, so uh, I think it was pretty successful. I mean, it was a very grassroots um, attempt. And so I think a lot of people really connected with it um, in the aspects I said, um, you know, I have, I had mentioned that, that, that they could. And, and so I thought that was, that was pretty cool. And so for us, it's like continuously repeating that year after year without it losing its magic where it's, you know, shouldn't turn into, you know, some sort of like uh, a, a place where uh, companies can come and, um, you know, kind of showcase their product. It's more companies should come and showcase their people from their companies and what they value, and what they stand for. And share information to better others, right? Um, and then take some some things away from it for themselves, as far as like growing themselves and their businesses. So, yeah, I love that. I love the, I love the idea. And you know, Ali was telling me about it. Um, he's like, hey, it's like the cross training opportunity without any of the catches. You know, there's no there's no agenda here. It's just positive. Uh, engagement and just uh, cross training each other to make each other better, and 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 that that mission and that 
that kind of platform is just a great platform just to build relationships on. Uh, we're starting this. Um, I was, my, my brain was um, lucid just thinking about the opportunities here because you know we're starting the Philcraft Youth Program, which is uh, FYP to to train and mentor and educate young men and women, young children. Um, on preparedness, you know, how, Hey, how do you use a tourniquet? Um, what are things to look for when you're, you're in public and you're potentially in danger? Uh, how do you uh, get out of a fire or a a problem like that? And then I think about like the integration of, you know, KC lights, the vehicles, and then the kids. And I just think all that stuff to me meshes together, which is why, uh, you know, as a company, uh, me own and Phil Kraft, I'm so excited to work with you guys. Yeah, I mean, even, I mean, just looking at having a yearbook every year, you know, and being able to like exchange words on a yearbook. I mean, when's the last time we did that? You know? Really cool. And, and, and having a yearbook of memories from previous summer camp in this year's yearbook where, you know, you can share and write. And, you know, it's like there's so many lost pastimes that are meaningful that have made us who we are. And I think especially in the age of technology, which is not evil or bad, it's just it's, it's a part of life now that we get to disconnect and actually uh, participate in some generational, um, you know, customs, right? Uh, uh, that's and traditions. I mean, that's, that's what it is, man. We're, we're really trying to uphold and build more tradition, I think, in a nutshell. And, you know, it's not just products that are needed in tradition. It's, it's people, right? And stories. And that's a part of a lot of a big part of I think our job as leaders. Um, and a leader is not just someone who you know is managing people. I mean, anyone can be a leader, but it's our job to craft great stories so that um, people continue to craft even better stories, like within the company, externally in the company. You know, like we've got to drive the narrative, and a lot of times our own narrative in, in our heads is just a narrative that we believe is right or true, but. We don't know that for a fact sometimes, but sometimes our brains tell us it is. So I think that limits us like heavily. So summer camp should be a place where we we drive tradition and we drive um, a lot of that um, understanding and truth, um, and and really try to uh, uphold and maintain and build new traditions, right? For for our kids and our and our and our friends and uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I love that about you guys because you know I, I want. You know, shaping culture is so important, and I, I'm kind of over this. I, I've seen so many influencers and so many people do it because it's tied to to business, where they don't even, you know, they're not very interested in living the adventure or really getting outdoors and just being. They're they're more interested in you know capitalizing. So it's I'll drive my rig on top of a mountain, take a picture, and then I'm going back to 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 town. You know, it's and I like about you guys is is. It, it seems like everybody who's associated and affiliate, affiliated with Casey are real people doing real things, and everything's very organic. Nothing seems forced, and and I love that about you. Um, when when we're talking about the future of of uh, your business, I imagine in the industry that you're in, there's you know there's a whole bunch of toxicity. You're you're progressing, trying to keep yourself aligned in your vision. What's your overall sense of the industry? And I don't know if you define that as off-road or if you define it more narrowly as as lights for off-road, but what's your overall sense of the industry and where it's going? Because I'm, I'm interested to get your input. I mean, last time I was at SEMA, it, was, it wasn't even a car show anymore. It was all, it was all overland, off-road, and it seemed very heavy 
in that space. It almost was an overland show. Where do you see the direction of the industry going? You know, I, that's a good question. I mean, I, I don't know that I have um, the best uh, perspective or, or understanding of, of to, to really answer, you know, where the industry is going. But, you know, with, with regard to SEMA, I think it serves its purpose, which is, you know, showcasing the latest trends, right? So I think the industry goes with whatever sells. I mean, that's, I don't know if that's just capitalism or you know, just yeah. supply and demand. <laughs> um, so, you know, like I, as far as the industry, you know, I think... One of the challenges of being a manufacturer um, is that you design something and sometimes people copy it, right? I mean, it's, in, it's inevitable. It's not something that's only as of recent, you know, this is a lifelong thing. That's why there's patents, right? So I think one of the, the, the areas that the industry is going is, um, in general, is like, is like, how do you develop... You know, great product, but then protect it and and make it your own without you know, um, I think people exploiting it, right? And so, you know, in the in the in the in the in the early two thousands, like for LED light bars, for example, you know, uh, to your point, it was a sea of probably LED light bars, right? I mean, kind of similar to now, um, in a in a in a both positive and negative way, uh, COVID masks, like N ninety five masks, surgical masks, gowns. I mean. We have LED light bar China companies sending us um, email blasts on them having N95 or KN95 masks available, right? It's like, I think the industry is going to a place where innovation and true creativity is is very limited. And so you just see trends like this in, in, at SEMA where, you know, when something does work, people are like essentially hopping on the bandwagon, right? It's, mm. it's inevitable. And, and so... You know, this industry, and I think a lot of industries are like this. It's not just automotive. It's like, you know, people can set up a business in like a day. Like you can go onto LegalZoom and then incorporate, and then you can go to QuickBooks online <laughs> instead of a QuickBooks. And, and you can click on a button and you'll have a, a bookkeeper right next to you, like, you know, virtually. <laughs> My point is just like life is better, technology is better, everything is more accessible. So I think the industry is going where, to a place where, you know, everything is easy, easier. Like you can, you can do more, right, uh, with less, and and so it's it's going to get very, very hard to innovate. And so, you know, I think that the the aspiring engineers, um, the aspiring creative people, it doesn't. I mean, not just engineers. I mean, you're talking about designers, product designers, industrial designers. Um, th- these are the people that I think are going to shape the future. Um, how far we go, how interesting we go, how awesome it is. I mean, that's driven by, you know, entrepreneurs and, and all these people that like, you know, I've mentioned. So I think the industry as a whole is going towards a direction where things are just more accessible, easier to do, easier to copy in general. And so like a lot of manufacturers have to really innovate. And I think the innovation is not just product, but it's also marketing, right? Um, and above all else, I think it's authenticity. It's do you really bring value or do you not bring value, right? And if you don't bring value, then you're going to be a short-lived company. If you bring value, and sometimes that value, again, is not just product, but it's also what is the special sauce that you bring to the table, right? For us, I think it's people. It's uniting people. It's growing people you know, through building quality of relationships and generating results that you know, are aligned with that quality of relationship, being truthful, right? Being upfront, stepping aside if you don't bring value, I think that's the way that I see everything going, you know, as an industry and even as our world changes so quickly with, again, just the ease of doing anything. Um, 
uh, we just have to get more creative and we have to keep on innovating. So, um, but I think SEMA, going back to your point, is is a great place for trends to surface. And I think you'll continue to see SEMA as as that and you'll continue to see those trends, you know, at SEMA. And, you know, that's why there's a sea of any product that does well, right? So Yeah, so true. Uh, you know, being the CEO and, and a managing partner as well, what, I, I'm interested in kind of your day-to-day and some of the things that you do in in practice. And we talked about this on a, on a, um, a, a live feed on Instagram where, you know, about habits and how you make habits that purpose that drives you. Um, are there specific things that you do through a daily routine that are just systematic in, in your success or things that you've mapped out or, or processes that you do? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you have special routines? Walk us through like the CEO mind of, of Alan Wang. Yeah, and I'd, lo- I'd love to ask you that same question. So if you have time, I want to know yours too. Um, you know, it's funny. If, uh, if I drew like a split, a, a split vertical line down, right? And I put all the, uh, all the attributes or things that I know that I actually should be, should be doing or should be how I should be behaving. And on the other side, I put, um, you know, I'm sorry, on one side, it'll be actual, right? So I, the, my actual behaviors, right? And then on the other side, it's like, what what should I be doing, right? And I would find that like of all, like the, that long list on the right side of of all the things that I should be, right? I know what I should be. Just like I know if I want to work out and, 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 and lose weight or build muscle, it's like, you know what you need. You don't need another book. But yet, we find ourselves making the list of, we already know what we need to do. We know how to get there. But yet we revert constantly back to the actual people that we are, the humans that we are, right? And so to your point about habits, I mean, habits are the the basic like building block um, to routines, right? And the routines then build like success and results, right? So for me, you know, the point I'm trying to make actually is that I'm a horrible at my routine. I know what I have to do. Uh, I don't always follow it and I regress. And so I, I'm constantly having to like, readjust and remind myself of the actual uh, routines and, and habits that I really need to adopt. But as a whole, um, you know, I'm an active kind of person. So like working out and what I do is I, I use a spin bike or I run. Um, I run for four to five miles or I spin for like 45 to, to an hour. That pretty much was a habit I created for myself like uh, two and a half, three years ago. And I promised myself I would do it five times a week. Well, I never did it five times a week. So I started promising myself I would do it one time a week. Um, and I never did it. Um, so I started promising myself I would do it for five minutes one time a week. That was easy <laughs> enough. That was easy enough. And you know what? So many people, like so many podcasts have said that, including you know your, your philosophy. It's like, don't wait and just start. If you'd never start, like we just waste all of our time, right? Like thinking about what we didn't do, what we should have done. Um, so, you know, I have to constantly go back, but I think working out is a big, is a big part of it and I don't do enough of it. Um, my routine in the morning looks something like this. I wake up um, and I'm pretty much like on apps, right? I'm look, like looking at news. A lot of what I do too for the businesses, a lot of our systems are online. So we check like um, our task apps. Like we've got project management apps. We've got dashboards and, and and reporting that we can look at that's generated overnight and we can, can kind of see like what's going on day to day, whether if it's from sales or inventory levels. So 
my routine, a lot of it is getting like a high level, like of what's going on in the world, what's going on in the business. Um, and then, you know, I'm off to sort of, uh, help with the kids, you know, in the mornings. But I think it's like just getting up and, um, going through a routine of a checking in on what, what's, what's been going on. One of the things I've implemented more recently, um, and it's not always in the morning, but I, 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 I do try to do it in the morning, uh, at least once. And then once throughout the day for 10 minutes at each time is meditation. Um, I think meditation, I know sounds really, I don't know, just not solid or solidified as a concept, but, um, you know, really what it does for me is it just allows me to like calm down. Right. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just too wound up and the next conversation that I have with someone, um, isn't really me anymore. Right. It's just a wound up Alan that, you know, might, might say wrong things, act, act too aggressively one way. Um, and it, it allows you to calm down and really come back to like the, the person that you should be and allow you to react or actually respond rather than react. Um, so meditation is, is definitely something in working out. Those two things are, are pretty key um, to, to, my, to my routine and things that I'm implementing. So I think those are, are pretty important to, to both ground you and bring you back to, you know, instead of like really fight or flight or, or using the part of the brain, you know, at the lowest level where, um, you know, it's really just survival, right? Um, it allows you to actually come back to a place where you can uh, incorporate some emotional thinking and then um, some decision making, better decision making um, parts of the brain involve some of those parts of the brain versus just a like survival mode um, where I don't think the best uh, responses are 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 had when you when you live there. So yeah, I mean, I think working out meditation and just um, trying to keep those routines up are there, are there, are, there, are some of the most important things. You know, as a as a leader, I'm curious what kind of, what kind of leader you are. How would you define yourself as a leader? You know, some people think, you know, they lead from the front. They, you know, they trust their subordinates, and they they're good at decentralizing. When when you're when you're doing management with people, is there any tactics or tips that you use in in how you lead specifically? Is there is there an ideology behind it? You know, I, I think it comes back to like building quality relationships, like I said. So the way I lead is, you know, I think my process for hiring, um, which, you know, like everyone has their own method, but um, is really looking for someone who has that ability to want that same thing, which is building a quality relationship above and beyond the skill set that they have or have not, right? So I think I've always hired based off of like personality and the willingness that I see to um, persevere uh, and loyalty, uh, ability to be empathetic, right? Uh, and and just work hard. Um, I think another aspect um, of what you asked, as far as like what what my leadership um, style is like, is I'm I'm a kind of in the in the battle on the front lines with people type of person. Um, obviously, that strength is also a fault. Uh, but I get pretty um, hands-on with with a lot of stuff. So, you know, that could look like um, working directly in the customer service ticketing system, um, even to now. Which, uh, as of late, I've really tried to ease off. Um, uh, Justin, uh, Justin on our team, who's our uh, customer service manager, does a great job along with our our customer service team. But I, I'll roll my sleeves up and go into Zendesk and basically, like, you know, help with tickets if I have to, because I, I I feel 
not just an obligation, but I, I, I feel a huge amount of, um, reward, you know, in, in helping people solve problems. So, uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, I really identify people who have heart and then, um, provide support, guidance, build a quality relationship, build trust, respect, good communication, loyalty. Um, and I think that skill sets typically can be learned to some degree. And so, um, that's kind of the leader I am is, is, is in there with you, um, uh, really leading and not just managing. Um, but I think that's a lot of that's just because I'm typically uh, in, in the past have just been uh, just love, you know, learning and, and, and working on things. And so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, I guess, uh, the type of type of leaders, uh, leadership that I have. And then, you know, I think with my leadership team, the same thing is like teaching them, you know, the same, the same qualities um, and really stepping back from, the, the people that um, were kind of automated to be, you know, like I referenced the matrix a lot. It's like, you know, we've been given a lot of programming, right? I mean, a good example I always use with my team is I'm such the different person in dealing with my kid than I am with my leadership team. You know, it's like my leadership team, I'm constantly wanting to coach. I provide them with coaching, you know, opportunities like you know, sit down, be empathetic. And I come home and I, the way I, the way I discipline is like, I yell at my kids. Right. So it's like, what would that look like if, although they're, 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 they're by words called a kid, but if I treated them more like, you know, uh, uh, an elder, if I treated the kid more like someone at work, like Mm. that level of patience, that level of patience and, 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 you know, giving them an opportunity to be heard and, and really like, you know, like approaching them that way, what would happen? And, you know, Wow. I mean, when I actually tried it, it was like, you know, that's amazing that my son who is five, like all I needed to do was do the opposite of what I thought I was going to do, program to do, right? Um, and it's, it's the same. I mean, because we're all human. I mean, just because he's five and it's called a kid, because that's what our words used to call him, doesn't mean that he's any different than someone who's 40, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but we're jaded and I think we have a lot of that programming, right? Just like the Matrix. It's like, society, our experiences, everything has built us up to be who we are. That's not good or bad, right or wrong. Um, and so I think like we all have beliefs, right? And the beliefs are neither um, right or wrong because everyone's beliefs is their beliefs and their own beliefs are true. So it, it's, it's more like, you know, the model um, which a lot of people use is like, well, how do you change results? Well, it goes from you have a belief and the belief essentially makes you feel something. And when you feel something, then you think about it. You think you have a thought about it, right? And then you, you, you have an action. You do something as a result of the thought. And the action generates the result. So the only way to change the result is to change the belief, right? So mm. I think a, lot of, a big part of our leadership is trying to understand that about ourselves. Why, why do we hate clutter? Why does that make us yell? Why does that make us trigger us to do this? Like, what if clutter didn't matter? What would that do? You know, what are the possibilities then if you didn't care about clutter? I mean, so these are a lot of the, the concepts that I think it's more important for someone to understand that we have these, this programming and that beliefs are just beliefs. And no, no, no one's belief is wrong, true or false. Beliefs are just beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's very powerful. So I think I'm, constantly regressing but constantly trying to yeah like listen to podcasts like i get the most gratification and the most inspiration out of listening to other people who talk about this stuff and 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 have examples of how these things are actually you know in a practical way 
like changing their lives because it's opening up possibilities to things that they were never able to conceive as a possibility. Uh, relationships that were, you know, maybe burnt that um, you don't even know why you burned them anymore, right? Uh, relationships that function a certain way that continuously function that way, you know, breaking those cycles. So um, that's really, I think, also at the core of KC now is that, right? Is the is the idea of this belief to results and to change the results, you have to change the belief, which, you know, I've talked to you. I mean, I think the military is a great example of that, you know? maybe I mean, the, the way that they craft those beliefs for you begin sometimes like for me i remember in the movie theater you know the 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 uh the short trailer i see about you know the sacrifice and the the good i can do right in the air force or the navy or or the army i mean those are starting to craft beliefs right and and if you believe if you want to have that belief and and there's enough leverage in you that you want to create change because of some sort of situation you're in I mean, your beliefs are going to start to change and then the results will start changing. So I think that's pretty powerful in terms of uh, my leadership style and, and, and what we believe at KC. Um, you know, that's, that's a big part of all that. So, Yeah, I love that philosophy, man. That's, a, that, that's very um, unique to people's ideas. I think, like you said, if you want to lead a company, you have to be able to lead people. And, um, you know, being a... I think the pinnacle of my military career was leading a special forces team. But if if you're going in there rigid in the way in which you address or deal or manage people, it's typically going to fail because you're just going to meet obstacles and you have to be fluid. And that ad- adaptation and the philosophy that you just talked about in depth, I, I love that about um, you as a leader, but also about uh, KC as a company. What Tell me about the future of KC um, uh, over the next couple years. I don't know how far you guys progress your your planning, but what does the future look like for you guys? Uh, you know, like I, I'm like like we were just talking about a more of an executor, right? And so I tend to look one to two years out, um, and I'm and I'm very focused on like product, probably process and people. And so a lot of like sort of the future vision, um, I've made contributions, but you know, my brother, Andy, he's, he's like in the clouds, like always like thinking about the, 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 the three to 10 year plan. Right. And so, you know, we, we've, we've laid out some, you know, three to five year plan. Um, you know, those are, are, uh, like what we call BHAGs, BHAGs, like, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals that we have. We see KC as a way of life. You know, I think for the employee, um, it's a place that you come to grow yourself, um, obviously to earn a living, but to challenge yourself and fire yourself, you know, if possible every day. Um, if you're able to fire yourself and you can uh, lead uh, and serve other people and allow them to step up and you can do other things that are even more higher leverage that bring benefits to the company, it's like, I mean, reinventing yourself every day is, is, is the only thing and the best thing that you can do. Um, so we see KC, KC from employee standpoint, from our customers who work with us, our vendors, as a long-term viable platform to, you know, really build people up and not tear them down and show them how to do that, um, while creating great products that you know provide solutions to gaps uh, in the market space um, of getting out to a venture further. So for us, you know, lighting today, I mean. Whatever it, 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 whatever we can design creatively that solves a solution to help people get out and get out together, um, 
or even just get out further to, to, to really reconnect with yourself and, um, and work on and realize your beliefs, right? And, and the results that you want. Anything to help break away from your programming and really you know, challenge yourself and just make realizations. I think those are really powerful. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you ha- you've had some really powerful epiphanies. And those are some of the best moments in your life that you've probably faced a ton of challenge and a, and, and a ton of uh, uh, adversity. But when you look back 10 years, it never was that crazy or it never was that whatever. But in the moment, it felt that way. But you learn the most then, right? And so I think for us, it's a way of life. Um, building quality relationships, creating quality results, um, building people up and not tearing them down and you know, creating great products that we're proud of, that we get to see people use, be happy with, um, and everyone who's connected to the brand continues to grow. I think that's that's ultimately, you know, at the center of I think the future of KC as a symbol of trust, uh, respect, and and just great communication. So awesome, man! Such a good message. Um, looking forward to working with you guys uh, this year when all this is said done with. <laughs> This uh, so many unknowns with COVID, but I, I love that we could continue to do what we did. You know, a couple of days ago with um, the Instagrams, the you know the seminars and webinars and the podcasting. It's a great opportunity for us to talk and to bring people together. Just different media forms, which I think are important in diversification, anyways, for a business. Um, but I, I want to say thank you so much for, for being on the podcast, Alan, and sharing your message. Any last, any last thoughts, any last words, uh, as we close this out? Yeah. Just like what your routine is, you know, like someone who, I mean, I, I follow you obviously. So I, I take a lot of what you say to heart. I, I believe in the same things. And so it's always great inspiration to hear like kind of the bits that, um, of, of, of how to be successful and, and where to start from you. What, what is your routine like as, as, as a CEO, a father, and, you know, obviously a, a very experienced in the military. But I mean, what is your routine? Yeah, you know, I, I, I have several things that I always talk about on, in social media because I want people to kind of follow some of the things that have made me successful. I look at, you know, I do look at the the patterns of life in which we live. Uh, you could break those down into habits. They do determine your ultimate fate, especially in, um, uh, you know, your short-term habits are going to definitively determine your rates of success in the future. And that, that could be a long-term effect, negative or positive. I always tell, the, tell people it's similar to hygiene. You know, if you you know, let's say you're just brushing your teeth and you only brush one side of your mouth every time you brush your teeth. Well, yeah, you won't see any apparent results, good or bad, uh, in the near term, but it ultimately leads to potential problems at a latter date. And so I, I tell people to try to instill habits, daily routines that are going to accumulate in success. One of those, like you stated, is podcasting. I think podcasting, especially in the world and rate in which we move through that world is super important. It, it's an opportunity to take, you know, and partition your brain committed to one experience of learning lessons and then objectively learning something from somebody else that you might have otherwise just checked out and stared at your windshield for 40 minutes during a commute. And it's, I tell people, it's like the, the Cliff Notes version of, of getting. Um, all the information, all the pertinent information in one shot, just like this podcast with you. I mean, people are going to benefit 
learning through your optic and through your experiences. I think this the second thing is I've I've always implemented a um, something as mundane as a, a cold shower. I take a cold shower at the last five minutes of every shower that I take in the morning. That boosts my metabolism. It it actually in minds I've been doing it since I was 15 years old because I knew I was going to survival school and special operations. And I heard somebody say at one point that it's good to get uh, immune to that and it, it makes you stronger mentally and physically. And it's something that I've always done as a routine every morning, but I've seen a, a significant metabolic and psychological uh, enhancement in my day-to-day routine. And it just sets me off on the right um, path. Something else that I always try to do is I'm big on making lists. I mean, in a world where you could easily get overwhelmed by personal and professional uh, lives with so many tasks of so many things to accomplish. If you don't accomplish the small tasks that you set out for yourself, you're going to walk away from a day feeling that you've done nothing or feeling, um, you know, under accomplished and, and like it's been a waste of your time. And I think if you go to bed that moment in which you're like in silence, thinking about the day and how it went if you have some of those things that have been checked off and, and you know don't with without an expectation that you're going to accomplish it all i think that's a good indication of progress and you know everybody especially in today's world wants immediate gratification but that's that's very difficult to attain but more realistic in attaining uh, if you stick to habits that are going to make you better um, my mom had this great analogy um of get off talking to me about business and about life. And she said, if you have like a, a staircase, a, a rounded staircase that goes to the top of a lighthouse and that has ports in the windows along the staircase, where if you're so set on the objective, which is getting to the top to get that view and that perspective, then you rush to the top and you're tired, you're exhausted. And then when you want to savor that moment, and that experience is the only thing you have is fatigue and you're not even in the moment. But if you take each and every step progressing but focused on the now and you look out the window and, and you're calm and you're conscious to the world around you, then you could enjoy each and every step. And I, I think, uh, you know, lastly, I, I always tell people to focus on the now and, and focus on the moments that they're in. We're so conscious um, and readily available for everything ahead of us because we're always thinking about the future, but we need to be consciously thinking about the now, and that's going to help us to focus our attention, to spend more quality time with our family and friends, and then to, to actually accomplish things that are important as opposed to you know nickel and diming because all of our consciousness is focused on the future. That's just a few things. I appreciate you asking that. Uh, lastly, no, I love that. I mean, I think the cold shower. So I, I do take it. That's a part of my job. I, I always take a shower in the morning, but now I'm going to take a cold shower, and tomorrow is going to be rough. But like you said, I'm going to build immunity to that, right? So I'm definitely doing that. Uh, and I love that you said um, now. Um, you know, the past is already done, and the future hasn't come. So what, what difference does it make on either of those ends? Uh, you got to live in the now, and I, and I believe that too. And you know, I think, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we're criticized for not 
necessarily thinking too far ahead yet, but because we're so focused on the now, because that's really all we have, right? To your point, whether if it's like things that we want to do today um, that we delay or regretting things that we didn't do, it's like, well, today is what writes tomorrow, right? And what has passed has already passed. So what's the point of thinking about that? You know, you learn from it and you, you, you think about it, but you don't live there. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. That's, uh, it reinforces and inspires me, you know, to, uh, to push harder. So, uh, in wrapping up, uh, Alan, what are some of the the uh, handles that you guys have, uh, the website and everything else, so people can tune in to what's going on content wise? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you can come find out about our story, our products, um, everything that's going on at caseyhighlights.com. Um, that would be, um, you know, the website, something that we, we, we obviously spend a, a ton of time on to, to get a, all of our information up there. Um, as far as campaigns, I mean, this is KC's uh, 50th year anniversary. Um, it's, it's a huge milestone for, for the company, uh, for, for all employees that, that have been part of, part of KC's story and, and industry partners and ambassadors. Um, and so in celebrating that, um, we have a huge um, opportunity for people to connect with us. Um, if you head to our website and actually go to kchighlights.com, and it's, it's hard to spell, H-I-L-I-T-E-S.com slash KC50, uh, we're running a huge opportunity for people to connect with us through photos and videos they've taken in the past of them and their families on adventures. Um, and there's a ton of um, prizes we're given out. Um, uh, the, 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 the grand prize is uh, someone gets to come to our Williams, Arizona facility and, and have a huge shopping spree, right? And get to know uh, some of us uh, a little bit better. So that, that's, I think, uh, the, the most uh, important thing is, is helping us celebrate that 50th anniversary uh, with all of our, with all of our, uh, with all of our fans. So, and of course, um, we're we're huge, uh, very grateful for you guys. Um, so we have a, a field craft promo code um, that we have uh, that I think you 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 do share with your listeners, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have a field craft promo code that you can get ten percent off um, site wide to to all your listeners. So um, I don't have that code readily available. It's sur- um, survival one zero is the code. Okay, survival one zero, um, and that's you know obviously a token of appreciation for an opportunity to just even chat with you, learn from you, um, and just be a part of what you guys are doing at uh, Fieldcraft Survival and, and Mobility. And so, to your point, I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, Ollie has asked a number of times for me to like get uh, get acquainted with you and and that we share very similar beliefs and so I'm very grateful for that and look forward to supporting and serving you guys um, in the future. Well, I appreciate it, Alan. Thank you so much for sharing your story, KC's story, and and uh, thanks for uh, being on the podcast and and appreciate everything you guys are doing. If you guys uh, uh, have any questions or anything else, feel free to email us at info at fieldcraftsrevival.com. We could relay them and. And then stay tuned into uh, Casey's um, content because we're going to be doing stuff in the near future when all this stuff settles. Uh, but you might see us on webinars or seminars and, and digital media as we continue to work through this COVID-19 thing. Uh, Alan Wang, thank you so much, man. Hey, thanks again a lot, Mike. I appreciate it. 